Welcome back to the Star Trek Warp Top 10 Podcast. We're back. Welcome, Species 5618. I'm your host, Phil Rizzo, and yes, this is the Star Trek Warp Top 10 Podcast, and we are back. Uh, we're back for another season, as we're calling it. Um, we uh, we had a very short first season. Uh, we took a long hiatus, but we're back now, and we're excited to be back. Um, I'm saying we, but I'm a little sad, because this season we're going to do something a little different. Um, so our good buddy Luke, my partner in crime, my fellow Starfleet cadet, uh, will not be with us um, on mic for um, a lot of the uh, season, because, uh, you know, he's uh, he's you know got a lot going on in his life, and uh, he's going to take a step back. He's just going to help uh, edit. He's going to be in a producer role. He's going to help create content, but he will um, not, unfortunately, be on the mic today. So it's just me. I'm going to fly solo today, but we have a great top 10 for you. Um, this is special to me, because this is the top 10 that got it going for me. This is the show that got it going for me. This is how I got into Star Trek, Star Trek The Next Generation. Um, we're going to do the top 10 Star Trek Next Generation episodes. Yeah, we're going to just go hard, baby, like right now. Um, but before we get into the top 10, we got a little housekeeping from last season. Not much, I promise. So me personally, you know, I don't like when I make, you know, a mistake when I'm sure about something and then I was dead wrong. But I do like, you know, owning up to it. So when we did the top 10 episode titles podcast, one of my choices was the Deep Space Nine episode, season five, Nor the Battle to the Strong. And I remember I... um said I liked it <laughs> because it had the ellipsis at the end of it, the dot, 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 right? Um, or in the beginning, actually, I think so. It, you know, it doesn't matter because it did not have it. It wasn't there. The episode was just called Nor the Battle to the Strong. No dots, no ellipses, no nothing. I was dead wrong. Boom, that's it. I'm over it. One big mistake that I made, and I'm pretty sure Luke made a couple times, but you know what? It was definitely me. I referred to Mike McMahon all season as Mike McCann. Okay, the cre the creator of uh, you know Lower Decks. I I kept referring to him as Mike McCann, Mike McCann, Mike McCann. I don't know why I kept saying that. His name is Mike McMahon, and I kept calling him Mike McCann. So I apologize, Mike McCann. <laughs> Just kidding. I apologize, Mike McMahon. I apologize to anyone out there who uh, caught it and was like, dude, come on, you're talking so highly about this guy and you can't even get his name right. So that's on me, my mistake. Um, but hey. I'm trying to make up for it now. So yeah, so we're back. It's really, really great to be back. You know, we, we took a long hiatus. Um, you know, we, we don't have a lot of time to do these pods. We want to. God, we want to do them. There's so much fun to do. Um, and we're so glad that you guys are listening, but. You know, hey, what can I say? Life gets in the way, you know. Um, but uh, but we're going to try to do as many as we can um, and put them out as quickly as we can. As we promised last season, we're going to try to be more of a presence on social media. Uh, we're going to try to get more of the word out there and hopefully... You guys will enjoy what we got going on. So yeah, so it's just me. I hope you like it. We're going to dive right in. Yeah, so Next Gen, I mean, I've talked about it before. Next Gen was my window into Star Trek. Uh, I got into it when I was, you know, in uh, middle school, and I never looked back. One thing I want to say with the Next Gen list is, it, 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 first of all, it's hard. Okay, it's so hard. How do you pick your top 10 Next Gen episodes, right? And right now, you're all going, oh my God, I, I know what my number one is. I know what my number, you know, two is. But there's so many good ones. You know, Next Gen was such a great show. 
Um, there's a reason why it, you know, relaunched Star Trek. There's a reason why, um, you know, millions of people watched it every week. There's a reason why, you know, it's, it's, it's still very watchable and relevant to this day. Um, it was just so darn good. So that being said, I'm going to go ahead and pull what I'm going to call the parrot sketch, not included clause into this top 10. I may do it for future top tens. I don't know. So, uh, the parrot sketch, not included clause to me is going to mean I'm going to take a couple episodes that are just, we know they're amazing, right? So the best of both worlds, parts one and two and all good things. I'm not going to put them on the list. Okay. It's for me, I want to have a more varied list. I want it to be more excited. I want it to be more, you know, in suspense about, you know, what, what my top five is going to be, what my top one, you know, top one, what my number one is going to be. I think it's more fun to do it that way. I think it's more fun to immediately remove the ones that are guaranteed going to be on the list. So that being said, let's go ahead and just say that the best of both worlds, parts one and two, especially part uh, two, and all good things, the, the one of the best finales of all time. They're amazing episodes, and of course they'd be in the top ten. I'm not saying they're guaranteed to be in your top ten, but they're in my top ten. But there's so much of a guarantee. They're both two hours long. I'm going to go ahead and say I'm removing them. So, Pirate Sketch Not Included, and all right, if you don't get the Pirate Sketch Not Included reference, so Monty Python had a really famous Pirate Sketch. Um, you know, this is a... Di- I'm, not doing, I'm not doing the impression. I was about to do a British... I'm not going to do the impression. If you've seen the sketch, you know what I'm talking about. It's the Dead Pirate Sketch. So, when they released um, one of their greatest hits videos, where they had all their best sketches from the show, they called it Pirate Sketch Not Included. They did not put the Pirate Sketch on there because it had been done... It had been seen so many, so many times. It had been, you know, uh, watched and viewed so many, so many times. So they decided not to put it in their greatest hits, their, 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 you know, compilation uh, disc. It's kind of like, you know, when, when your favorite band is like uh, Led Zeppelin, you know, but how many times can you hear Stairway? Well, maybe that's a bad example. Stairway's freaking amazing. I'm a big Kiss fan. How many times can you hear rock and roll all night before you want to kill somebody? Um, so yeah, so think of it like that. Think of it like, yeah, I, there's no disrespect for best of both worlds or all good things, but at some point, you know, uh, let's let's make it a fun a fun list. So, those are great episodes, but they're not going to be on my top ten list today. All right, a couple other things I got for you. A couple honorable mentions, really dishonorable mentions. You guys are going to hate me for this one, so I'm going to go ahead and go right up front too and tell you that Darmok, not on my list. Okay, I think I've talked about. Um, how I sort of feel about Darmok. You know, it's, it's, it's clearly a great episode. I love the whole idea behind it. A great Picard episode. Um, it, for me, it just, it never grabbed me the way it grabbed a lot of Trek fans. You know, Darmok to me was well done, well acted, well written, well everything. But for me, it's kind of boring. I'll be honest. I mean, I like, I love Paul Winfield. Uh, you know, Patrick Stewart was amazing on it. The whole, um, you know, oh my God, they're speaking in metaphors. Like it's a very original idea. And, uh, it, it's a good episode. But for me, I, I didn't grab me, so I'm going to go ahead and put that right out there. Boom. Darmok, not on my list. Last honorable mention, I will say uh, the episode Peak Performance. I tried so hard. Peak Performance is the season two episode where um, Cole Rami uh, comes on uh, the Enterprise and they they do the the fake war games where Riker takes over the lesser ship and, you know, they, they, they play battle with each other and then the Frankies come and throw a you know, monkey in their a wrench of the works. So... The reason why I wanted to try to so hard to get this on my list is because this was the, you may remember, this was the first episode that I watched of Star Trek ever. Um, this is where I was like, oh, wow, what the hell's going on here? This is this is really cool. So this episode got me into Star Trek. Peak performance um, from season two. And, and it's, it's, it's always going to have a special place in my heart, but it is not top 10 material as far as I'm concerned. 
And that's it. That's all I got for honorable mentions. Before we jump into the top 10, one last thing, I just want to let you know how you can hit us up. You can hit us up on Twitter at STWARP10. You can email us at uh, STWARP10 at gmail.com, or you can hit us up on Instagram at STWARP10. Twitter, Instagram, email us. Let us know how we're doing. Um, Let us know if you forgot who we were, and uh, you're like, oh, okay. I just, oh, you guys, you guys left? Didn't know you left. Let us know whatever you got. Um, that being said, we're going to jump right in. Let's go ahead and do this. The top 10 Star Trek The Next Generation episodes. Number 10, Timescape, season six. I'm also going to preface all of this without saying I didn't write any notes for this. I just wrote my list out. I'm going to go ahead and talk about them. Um, keep it, try, try to keep it organic. You, you know, on this show, we try to keep it loose and uh, that's what I'm going to do. So Timescape, Number 10. Uh, this is season six episode. This was a really cool episode. I'm not going to say it was completely original. I'm not going to say it was the best episode of all time, but I thought it was super, super cool. Um, especially the fact that it was in the sixth season when the show was still good, but it was kind of winding down. You know, I always feel like the next generation had its peak in seasons three, four, and five. Um, and season six and seven were certainly better than one and two, but, um, well, maybe seven's, seven's iffy. Who knows? But season six was, um, you know, there were a few gems in there still, and Timescape was one of them. So if you don't remember, this was the one where, and again, no notes, I'm just going from memory. This is the one where Picard and Data and Jordy and Troy are on the shuttlecraft coming back from a, you know, uh, whatever it was, a symposium, a convention, whatever it was. It was a convention. Um, they probably were coming back from a convention. And uh, all of a sudden, everybody freezes, except for Council Troy, like freezes, you know, dead stop. Really cool, um, you know, effect. And they, they were just freezing the camera. I'm sure it was. It wasn't an effect per se, but uh, it looked cool. And Troy played it well. And it was. It was. And then they unfroze like nothing had happened. So they start investigating. It turns out these, po- these pockets of time are floating through or whatever. And you know, it's really a, a, a ingenious way for them to kind of do whatever the hell they want. You know, oh, they're floating. We don't know where it's going to freeze or you know. So they kind of used it to move the story along. But it was cool to watch that play out. It was cool when they, you know, they, uh, what, what about that moment where they, uh, they finally get back to the Enterprise and the Enterprise is frozen in battle with the Romulan Warbird. So freaking cool, man. Um, yeah, just a good episode. Had some touches of humor in the beginning. You know, it's an interesting dynamic to have those four on the shuttlecraft just kind of, you know, cutting loose, you know, and just enjoying each other's company in a non, uh, you know, uniform military way. So just, you know, all around good app. Uh, what else can I say about Timescape? Nothing else, apparently. We're moving on. Number nine, The Chase. Also season six. Wow. So, spoiler alert, that's the last episode you're going to see in season six, but The Chase is number nine. What a cool episode, right? This was the episode, if you don't remember, where they start finding these little DNA puzzles scattered across the galaxy and, uh, you know, the Klingons and the Romulans and the Federation and, um, you know, uh, sort of putting this puzzle together to sort of unlock this mystery, you know. Professor Galen, Picard's old archaeology uh, professor, um, you know, just shows up on the Enterprise and he has a you know intriguing offer. You know, hey, come with me. We're gonna go dig up some whatever. And uh, and Picard's like, well, you know, I'm kind of the captain of the ship, so I can't just go run off with you to discover whatever you want me to discover. But uh, so the guy gets pissed, leaves, and then you know, I guess I won't spoil it. But yeah, so Picard ends up uh, trying to figure out the mystery himself. Blah, 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 blah. You probably all know the episode, but the chase is really cool. I mean, for the for the main reason this episode is on the list, I always thought just the idea that Star Trek did 
And correct me if I'm wrong, I I feel like they're the first ones to sort of try to explain away the fact that every single species in our universe is a biped, and they all have, you know, for the most part, two eyes, two arms, two legs, you know. So this was a really ingenious way of um, explaining how that's possible, how you could travel, you know, 60,000 light years, and there are still people who look like us, humanoids, they say, which is... I can't imagine any other species would use the term humanoid. It doesn't really make any sense, but you hear them do it on the show. Um, I, again, assume that's just a universal translator converting it to humanoid. They may be saying Klingonoid. I don't know what they're saying. Uh, Romulanoid. Now that I think about it, they all roll off the tongue, don't they? Humanoid, Romulanoid, Ferenginoid. Well, maybe not Ferenginoid. Uh, Klingonoid. Annoyed. All right, I'm, I'm moving on. So, just a, just a cool, um, a, a cool concept, a cool idea. You know, there are some, you know, amorphous space blobs, and there are some, you know, dust aliens, and there's a crystalline entity, and there's, you know, whatever. So there's, a, but most of the humans that we encounter, most of the, sorry, there you go, most of the aliens we encounter on Star Trek are they, they look kind of like us. They just have ridges or wrinkles or you know, pointy ears. So. A really cool way to sort of explain why that's the case. Um, if you haven't seen the episode, watch it. The chase, watch till the end. It's really worth it, especially for the really, really cool moment with the Romulan at the end. So, you know, at the end, when the secret's revealed and the Klingon's like, are you fucking kidding me? He's like, that's it? You know, he's so pissed. And then, um, you know, the Romulan contacts Picard at the very end of the episode and they have a little conversation and then the Romulan says something to the effect of, uh, well... You know, it seems we are not all that dissimilar after all, you know, which was about as close as a Romulan comes to saying, hey, man, we're going to be friends someday. Or, hey, man, you know, we're in this together. Um, and Picard, yeah, and I say Picard, but I really mean Patrick Stewart, played it so, so cool. Um, you know, he, he conveys so much with so little sometimes. Um, he doesn't have to come out and say uh, what he's thinking or any kind of exposition. Sometimes he just kind of plays it in his face. So he played the moment really cool. It was a cool moment. We didn't get a lot of those touchy-feely moments between Romulans and... um humans, especially on Next Generation. I mean, as far as I could tell, the only sort of touchy-feely moment we even came close to having other than that was when, you know, in the in All Good Things, yeah, I know, I'm bringing it up now, right? In the final episode when Tomaluk is just sort of like, Picard, how long are we going to stare at each other across the neutral zone, you know? <laughs> Almost like they're, uh, they're old buddies, but they're still kind of pissed at each other, you know? So the Romans until Deep Space Nine were pretty hard-ass, so... I like that moment. I like that episode. The Chase, number nine. Number eight. And I know when I mentioned Darmok, you may have been thinking, oh, he better have the inner light on his list. I do. The inner light's number eight. Touching episode, heartwarming episode. Again, you know, I, I keep saying Patrick Stewart's a great actor. You know that. I don't have to tell you that. But great performance. You know, like, I, I think this episode's a little overrated. Now, that being said, it's still number eight on my top ten list. Or if you want to say, maybe if... Uh, if the other two were on there, you know, all good things, and you know, maybe it'd be ten, but before, but it's still number eight on my list. Um, but I don't think it's like you know, a lot of lot of uh, fan lists have it as you know, the first episode, the third episode, the second, you know, top three. I don't think so, but I think it's a really good episode. Well acted all around, especially the actress who played um, what was his name, Dalen, Dalen, Galen, Dalen. I know Galen was the professor in the last thing I just talked about, so I'm gonna say Dalen, but I guarantee that's wrong. Um. The actress who played his wife was really nice. And uh, I want to say Batak. No, it doesn't sound right either. 
but Patak with a P, his friend, uh, I love that actor. He's a great character actor. Uh, you know, he's been in, a, he was in The Fugitive. I loved, he was the guy who uh, lied about the escape at first. And then Tommy Lee Jones was like, you want to change your bullshit story? Um, and uh, he was also, he, he had a cool part in the West Wing. He's been in a bunch of stuff, that guy. Um, so I like him a lot. It's just, just a fun episode. You know, it's really, it's kind of mind bending. It's kind of what DS9 did a couple times before. Um, not before, after actually, when um, O'Brien was sentenced to, um, I think it was called Hard Time, when he was sentenced to prison, but like, he lived it all in his mind. So he was in prison for like, I don't know what it was, 40 years or something, but it turns out he was only with them for a couple days. But in his mind, he felt like he had lived that long. Kind of a kind of a stretch uh, from what this episode was, but you know, again, touching moments, good moments, uh, well filmed, well written. Um, the moment at the, the end of the episode when he's playing his flute or whatever it was, I don't know, recorder, I don't know what the hell it's called, but uh, when he was playing his little boop boop, that was a that was a great way to end the episode. Pretty touching. Um, sort of reflected, uh, you know, like at that last scene. I feel like it was him and Troy, but I could be wrong. And that last scene with him and Troy were talking about how he's going to kind of you know recover from this and. You know, as usual, he played it pretty, pretty well. And, uh, you know, you could sense that it was still going to stick with him for a while. Uh, something that serialized television wasn't really doing back then. I mean, not, um, non-serialized television wasn't really doing back then. They weren't really having repercussions leading into the next episode. It was kind of like mission of the week. Boom, done, move on next time. But they kind of did a decent job of that. Um, with his encounters with the Borg and when he had the brothers episode. And I've talked about this before, but I think it's worth noting that in 1991, um, they were doing episodes where you didn't have, you kind of needed to watch the previous episode to understand the trauma he was going through. They always had a last time on, you know, Star Trek, but uh, didn't always fill you in with the nuance and stuff. So I think that was admirable for a show at that time to do. And I feel like, um, you know, that, that was one of those episodes that, uh, you know, could have stuck with him. Anyway, we're moving on. So number seven, Clues. Season four. Um, I got, I want to say, yeah, I got three, no, four episodes from season four. Clues is the first one at number seven. So Clues is the episode where, you know, Picard's doing his Dixon Hill thing, gets called to the bridge, and then the whole ship gets knocked out, except for Data. So they wake up, you know, um, I want to say a minute later, a minute and a half later, something like that. Five minutes. It was a very short time. So they all recover and they're like, Data, what happened? And he's like, oh, you all, you know, we passed through uh, some sort of cosmic phenomena and it, and it, you know, knocked everybody out. And uh, and they're like, oh, we should explore it further. And Data's like, well, it might be kind of dangerous. So they move on. But then as the episode, you know, goes on, they start realizing, they start finding clues that make them believe that they weren't just unconscious for the 30 seconds or the minute and a half, whatever it was that data said they were. So they start putting things together and like, wait, we were, we were knocked out for a lot longer than that. Um, it's a really, really cool. And obviously the Dixon Hill framing device, not framing device per se, but the Dixon Hill, um, sort of, um, shadowing, uh, foreshadowing was a, was a really great way to introduce an episode like this because it was so cool to watch them unfold this, this, um, mystery, you know, a little by little. Uh, it was just a fun episode to watch. It's one of the most rewatchable episodes in the show, in my opinion. It's, uh, I mean, it, maybe not the most rewatchable because it is a mystery. And once you realize what the mystery is, it kind of loses it. But still, I found myself watching this episode. So I probably watched it, you know, 30, 40 times. Really fun episode, you know. And then when it all gets put together at the end, it's just a lot of fun. So, uh, yeah, clues. Just great episode. Let's move on. Number six, Remember Me. Another season four episode. Um, rare, 
to find a Beverly episode on a top 10 list. Maybe. Maybe. Um, Lord knows there's been some stinkers with Beverly. Not, um, you know, not Gates McFadden's fault. Sub Rosa was just horrible. Not really her fault. Uh, she's a very good actress. I think um, I think they just never really figured out how to write individual episodes for her. Um, I do like... Nope, I don't. Nope. So I think this might be the only one. But it was a doozy. Remember me, season four. A very Twilight zone episode. Love those. Love those. Very, you know, boom, self-contained sci-fi story. Her, she brings her professor on board, Professor uh, Quace. And then, you know, he sort of disappears. And they're like, oh, what happened? He's an old man. Maybe he's lost. Um, turns out we, nobody has heard of this guy except for Beverly. And then one by one, people she knows start disappearing. And no one who's left behind remembers any of these people. Once they're gone, they're gone. And Beverly's the only person who remembers that they once existed. So this goes on and on. Like I said, it's very Twilight zone I love it. Uh, very Rod Serling. And it gets more and more intriguing to the point where it's being laughable. I mean, in a good way, when it ends up being just, you know, her and, uh, her and Picard left on the bridge and, uh, and she's trying to logically, you know, argue with him that, you know, you think this makes perfect sense? Just the two of us gallivanting across the galaxy, just exploring. And he's like, well, we've never needed more people before. It's just, it's really well played. Um, fun episode, but yeah, really, really cool sci-fi episode. Gates McFadden was great in it. The explanation is fantastic. I think it's a really cool story. It's a great uh, mother-daughter, I'm sorry, mother-son story in a lot of ways. Um, you know, because Wesley's a pretty, Wesley was still on the show at the time, so he's got a big part in it. Um, really well done. I love the episode. So yeah, so remember me. Uh, season four, another one. Boom, that was number six. We are moving fast, guys. We might keep this one under 40 minutes. Let's go for it. Let's go for it. Um, we'll have more for you, I promise. So number five. I thought this was going to be higher on the list when I first started talking about my next-gen list, because this is the one. I told you I watched Clues a lot. I've probably watched this episode more than any other um, next-gen episode, including my number one. So my number five, The Wounded, another season four episode, is probably the most watched episode I've ever, for me anyway, on next-gen. Why? I don't know. This was one of those episodes, and I'm sure a lot of you are going to agree with me on this. This is one of those episodes that became comfort food for me. This was one of the episodes where, like, when I was just, I wanted to just unwind, and I'm talking about putting the VHS tape in. Yeah, the VHS tape. Come on, who's with me? All right, thank you. The VHS tape, you know, I had the Columbia House collection when I first started getting into Star Trek, so I'd order them, and they'd come once a week or a month or whatever. So sliding this tape in, I mean, it was so used. I used to love watching The Wounded. Again, you know, it's a great episode, and I know why it's on my list, but I'm not sure why I watched it so many times. It was just a cool, it was it was a little different. It was O'Brien. You know, we had a side character where Chief O'Brien was one of the main, uh, one of the main characters in it. Uh, it was our first introduction to... Our first introduction. Can you say that? It's just the introduction. It was the introduction to the Cardassians on the show. Introduction to uh, uh, Mark Alamo as uh, not Gul Dukat. He was Gul Maset. So we meet the Cardassians for the first time. There's a renegade starship out there just just attacking Cardassian science vessels and outposts. And, and you know, Picard is kind of sent to like hunt him down pretty much by uh, Starfleet Command. Uh, and... We don't know what the hell's going on with this guy. So when we finally get this guy, um, Captain Ben Maxwell, we you know learn that he does have motivation for doing what he's doing, but he's still, you know, he's still shell shocked from uh, 
you know, losing loved ones. I can't remember if it was his whole family or just his wife or something. I can't remember, but it was he was shell shocked from uh, you know, from trauma and he was he just kind of snapped and he started killing killing Cardassians. Um but a really cool idea is that like, you know, O'Brien used to serve with him on the I want to say the Rutledge and uh and so they had a cool relationship and they really played that well with the scene where they're talking and they're singing about uh you know, the old uh, the old crew they had and the song they used to sing and old Stompy um, who had passed away. It was it was a really great war episode, um, you know, what, what war can kind of do to people. It was a great Star Trek episode uh, because Picard had a lot of tough decisions to make. How far do we go to keep diplomatic relations going with the Cardassians before we betray the Federation, before we betray another, you know, Starfleet captain, uh, Starship? Um, but, uh, and, and it was, it was a, you know, cool, uh, monument, monumental episode for Star Trek, just with Cardassians. Um, you know, the role that Cardassians would go on to play in the Star Trek universe was huge. So it was great seeing them. This is kind of like, uh, you know, the Mickey Mantle rookie card of a, of a, of a, you know, Star Trek species. So if you, if you had the rookie card of a baseball card, that was more valuable than anything else, you know? So everyone kind of knew, you know, that Mickey Mantle, you know, 19, I think it was 1950, I want to say 52, Mickey Mantle, but who knows? Maybe it was Ken Griffey Jr. was nineteen ninety one, maybe you know. So, so everyone had the rookie cards and they were checking. Out. So this was this was the Cardassian rookie card, right? The first episode. I always think it's kind of cool. I know comic books are huge with that, right? Oh, this was you know the first appearance of Kitty Pryde. This is the first episode of you know um, Franklin Richards. You know this was yeah that was for Troy. You're welcome, Troy. This was the first episode. You know first uh, issue with uh, you know blah blah blah. You know so uh, that's a big deal. So. TV doesn't really celebrate that much, but uh, Star Trek's got such a vast, you know, lore and canon that you can kind of look at things differently and say, oh, wow, that's where that's where Cardassian started right there. Pretty cool. So for all those reasons, The Wounded is number five. All right, let's go. Four to go, guys. Let's do this. Number four, The Measure of a Man. Mm-hmm. Yep, 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 yep. I knew. You knew. We all knew it had to be on here at some point. The Measure of a Man, season two. The only episode from season two or one. On this list is right here, Measure of a Man, but it's a doozy. It's number four. Um, again, in my humble opinion, it's the fourth best episode of, of you know, Star Trek. Minus the parrot sketch, not included. Sorry. So, yeah, this is the episode where Data gets put on trial. Does he have the right to choose? Is he property? Who doesn't love a courtroom drama, right? Who doesn't love courtroom antics? Um, who doesn't love someone being defended, someone being prosecuted? We love it. We love a few good men, right? We love, uh, you know, shows like Law and Order. We, we love seeing a courtroom. My cousin Vinny, come on. So when Next Gen, when Star Trek does it, it's it's kind of fun. Um, our good buddy Troy was just telling me that he just watched the DS9 episode Rules of Engagement. Troy's going through D-Space 9 right now. He's on season four. And the Rules of Engagement episode, very courtroomy, right? That was the episode where Worf was put on trial for... Um, blowing up the transport ship full of like civilians, even though, you know, blah, blah, blah. He didn't really, but it was also the, the really cool episode where they, they broke the fourth wall and talked right into the camera when they were sort of giving their testimony. But the point was good episode. And one of the reasons why is because it was a courtroom drama. So measure of a man is very much courtroom drama. Picard's old flame uh, is judging it. Uh, Philippa something. It's a weird name. I never understood that one. My name is Phil Philip, but I never understood the Philippa Philippa Dubois. I mean, I, I don't know. It's a weird name. It's pretty, I guess, but what the hell are you talking about? I don't know. Anyway, so yeah, so she was, she would, you know, play judge or arbiter or whatever the hell they were calling her. And, um, and Riker, because of, you know, some crazy military rule, it might be a real rule. I have no idea. A real, like, you know, JAG rule. By JAG, I don't mean JAG off. I mean Judge Advocate General. Um, but, uh, Riker was forced to prosecute data. 
um, with as much fervor as Picard was to defend him. So really made for great, um, great conflict there. And of course, Riker did an amazing job, um, almost convinced Picard in that great conversation between him and Gaiden, which I've talked about before. I know, so I won't go on about this time, but I thought it was very fitting that they, you know, brought up the idea of, you know, slavery, uh, property. Um, you know, they kept it very, very subtle. You know, there were undertones there. Um, they almost came out and said it, but they didn't. Good for you. You don't have to hit people over the head with this stuff. If it's good writing, if it's good TV, we're going to get the point. At least, you know, most people will. If you don't, hey, you don't. I don't know what to tell you. You know, it's, you'll still enjoy the episode, I guess. But if you really get the undertone and the subtlety of the writing and you read between the lines, um, yeah, you know, obviously they're talking about property, they're talking about slavery, they're talking about the right to choose, um, the subjugation of a species. So yeah, heavy stuff, heavy stuff for season two, heavy stuff for 1988, really. Um, for, for, um, I want to say network television. I always say that, but it really wasn't, but it really was. So Star Trek was syndicated, you know, um, Star Trek and, uh, Next Gen and D Space Now were both syndicated. Um, you know, Voyager was technically a network show when it launched the UPN network, but, Either way, good uh, good job. A bold swing for uh, for any kind of television in 1988. So good job there. The Measure of a Man. There you go. Great episode. A lot of heart. Um, so that was my number four. All right, we're really getting down to it now. And I want, I'm want i going to surprise you with my number three because a lot of people are thinking I'm gearing up to make this my number one. But my number one is going to surprise you guys. So I'm going to go ahead and go number three, Yesterday's Enterprise. A phenomenal episode. Um, I would say... You know, it's right up there with, again, I'm sorry. I hate pr- keep bringing this up. You know, I should have just put him on the list after all this. But I think it's right up there in the conversation when people talk about the best episodes of Next Jam, when they talk about Best of Both Worlds, the finale, all good things, and, you know, Inner Light, Dharmuk. Yesterday's Enterprise is, is always in the list somewhere. Um, just a really, really cool, cool, cool episode. This was the episode where the Enterprise C just comes out of a rift, out of nowhere, and in doing so, immediately changes the Enterprise D's sort of present. So to clarify, the Enterprise C, the predecessor to the next generation Enterprise in the 20, either the 23rd century, the late 23rd century, the early 24th century. I think it's the early 24th century. So they come through a rift and because they left their point in time, it affected what was happening with the present day. And then yeah, Picard's Enterprise immediately shifted and all of a sudden they were a ship at war and they were at war with the Klingons and they were losing. Just a cool new way to look at the crew, a cool new way to look at the Enterprise as it operates and, and how it looks. But really, I mean, it was really cool seeing uh, Denise Crosby as Tasha Yar. So this was the, if I can remember correctly, this was the first time I think that the actress reappeared on the show since she left in season one in the Skin of Evil episode. I think she was she was in a hologram on, uh, oh, there you go, Measure of a Man. She was in the episode. She was in a little hologram there. She probably got paid for that, but the actress herself didn't do any new um, footage, I don't think. Um, so this was the first time Denise Crosby came back as Tasha Yar. So because their past got changed, she would, there were, you know, the Enterprise was no longer a ship of exploration. It was a ship of war. So they weren't exploring planets and Troy wouldn't have gotten on the skin of evil planet and Yar wouldn't have to go get her. So Yar didn't die. She was still alive. But what is often cool in any kind of sci-fi, any kind of sci-fi inc- incarnation is when everything changes, but there's one person who kind of senses that everything's changed. Now, obviously, as a storytelling device, we need that. We need, you know, for someone to say, no, 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 this isn't right. We need to put it right. Otherwise, you would just watch a different show for the rest of your life. So Guinan 
immediately sensing that something else is off is always that that cool moment and in my youth this might have been the first time i've seen that that trope or that i say trope now because it's been used many times but i never stopped finding it cool and this might have been the first time that guinan um this might have been the first time that i saw that so when guinan sends something was off you're like oh that's kind of cool another really cool um one that comes to mind just out of nowhere is um the movie run lola run and this actually will play into my number one so i'm kind of going to dovetail this in later but uh when you know lola keeps trying to save her boyfriend from being killed you know the movie itself is like a same story repeating three times but in the last or maybe four times i think it was three times so in the last spin around the same i want to say bank security officer that she's encountered in all the previous ones looks at her differently and they have a moment where they look at each other and they both know that they've been doing this before but there's no explanation for it like Guinan, at least um she's elorian we don't know that's her name at the time, but you know, she's a Lorian and she has a, you know, this, this extra sense. So it's actually, whether you look, depending on how you look at it, it's either even cooler or less cool than this run Lola run moment happened. Cause they just kind of like, and it wasn't really a loop. It wasn't like a time loop. It wasn't like a science fiction. It was just like three different outcomes. But anyway, anyway, I always thought that, I always think that stuff's cool. And I'm sure in your head, you're thinking of examples that you, you know, Oh yeah, that's kind of cool. I know that. Um, I love that. I love that idea. So Guinan senses something's wrong. Goes to Picard, Jean-Luc, you got to change this. You know, this isn't right. And he's like, what are, you, what are you talking about? You know, and she's talking about sending the ship back into the battle they, you know, left from. So the battle caused them to go through this rift. So, and if they go back, they're, they're sure to die. They're absolutely sure to die. It, blah, blah, blah. We watch the episode. It's really cool. I love the way it plays out. The actress who played Captain Garrett was really great. We get a... Uh, Oh, uh, what's his name? Damn it. Shooter McGavin. I always forget his Christopher McDonald. Christopher McDonald as the uh, Lieutenant Castillo, the love interest for uh, for uh, Denise Crosby, uh, Tasha Yar in this episode. He's such a great character actor. Love seeing him in anything, especially as Shooter McGavin in uh, Happy Gilmore. Uh, he also played Goose in Grease too. So he, he's been around forever. Um, oh, and of course he was in, he played, um, uh, what was his name? doesn't matter. He was the host of 21 in Quiz Show, one of my all-time favorite movies. Um, so love Christopher McDonald. So he's in this. And uh, great performances all around. Great sci-fi writing. Really fun to watch the Enterprise be sort of turned upside down. Um, great sci-fi episode. Yesterday's Enterprise. What else can I say? Other than the fact that this episode is also so high on the list for me, because and for many Star Trek fans, because this gave us, looking forward about a year and a half, one of the great cliffhangers of all time um the end of season four we you know um we'll, we'll talk about that at some point i'm sure but uh this episode in addition to being so amazing laid the groundwork for future things happening on next gen that were really cool so great job creators writers producers actors just amazing job um yesterday's enterprise well done all right here we go number two i'm gonna surprise you here i think um the drumhead what, wait, wait, what episode was that? The, the, the Drumhead, that's right. Again, a little bit of courtroom in here for you. So The Drumhead was the season four episode, the fourth season four episode on this list, uh, in which there's a saboteur on the ship. And they immediately think it's a Klingon profiling. And uh, turns out it's not. Uh, he was a bad guy, but he did not cause, he was not the saboteur. So they bring on an admiral, I think her name is Jean Simmons, the actress, um, Admiral Satie, Nora Satie. They bring her on to help the Enterprise figure out what's going on. Anyway, she comes on the ship and they start uncovering this and that. But it turns out Picard starts to believe that, okay, maybe it was just a coincidence. 
Um, maybe there isn't a saboteur on board, but this admiral just goes nuts and starts, you know, witch hunting everybody. And it, just, just the moral implications, the moral arguments in this episode are truly fascinating. Um, oh, let's not mention, let's not forget to mention as far as guest stars. Uh, I don't know his name. I never do. He's in everything again. The, the kid who played, um, what was his name? His paternal grandfather was Vulcan. Uh, but his paternal grandfather was actually Romulan. Uh, I can't remember the name of the actor or the character in the episode, but he was great. He played Duck on Mad Men. He was on West Wing. He was on Sports Night. Uh, he's in a million things. Uh, this guy, I like him a lot. And uh, and yeah, so so he was he was pretty much put on trial. They they zeroed in on him because he lied about his Romulan heritage, which I can't imagine in the 24th century in the Noble Federation. Like, why would you really be scared? Would you not get in? If your if your paternal grandfather was Romulan, like is that still a thing? Like, like in the in the twenty fourth century, like I can't imagine there's still that kind of racial bias. I mean, it, I can imagine maybe right after the Romulan Wars a century earlier, but I mean, in this you know uh, this mature this um, evolved you know human species or federation, I can't imagine that anyone would have to hide that they had a Romulan you know great grandfather. But whatever. That was, you know, it launched the episode, so hey, it is what it is. But um, just just a fun episode. Again, you know, courtroom. I loved watching Admiral Satie get her comeuppance at the end. Um, you know, not just a moral debate about, you know, about putting people on trial and their rights, but there was a really great moment that she spun on Picard where Picard was unhappy about her using a Betazoid during the trials. Because he could just sense when somebody's lying. You know, you don't need to swear on the Bible because, you know, there's a Betazoid here. They're going to know if you're lying um, for the most part. You know, um, they usually sense emotion, but tied in with that is the ability to know when people are lying, I suppose. So Picard was like, I'm not happy about the use of a Betazoid. And she was like, what the fuck are you talking about? Like, you're telling me you never used Counselor Troy in negotiations that you wouldn't use her? If you And he was like, well, you know what? I totally would. And maybe I should re-examine that. And she's like, you know what? Knock it off. Just knock it off. So I love the fact that they made, you know, they, they made, they wrote his character to be kind of fallible in there. Like they, they wrote his Picard to be like, oh shit, I should maybe second guess how I use Counselor Troy. I'm going to take a sip here, folks. Let's take a break. Let's take a quick little break. I'm going to take a little sip here and uh, let's talk about Jack Daniels. No, let's not. But uh, in true Ronald D. Moore fashion, I'm going to tell you that I'm drinking Jack Daniels whiskey. <sighs> Just having a little, little relaxing time here talking to you folks and drinking a little whiskey. So that's our little break. So yeah. So the drumhead, I really love that episode. Um, a lot of fun. I haven't rewatched it as much as I rewatched, you know, the wounded or clues, but man, that season four, something else, really something else. Uh, oh, last thing I'll mention, uh, I, again, I, you know, I, I didn't do notes. So I'm just kind of, you know, spinning the episode in my head, but I love the last moment between, uh, Worf and Picard too. Um, or even Worf is fallible and it, well, we know Worf's fallible, but where he says, you know, I, I, I didn't, I didn't see what she was doing. I, I tried to help her, and Picard's like, you know, it was a little condescending what he said. I, I don't know for him, but he's like, you know, well, you know what? I, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna kill his words by uh, screwing it up. But uh, you know, it was another moment where Picard was able to teach Worf something about morality and humanity um, or Klingonity, um, you know, because he is a Klingonoid, you know. So Picard's gotta, gotta speak to him as well. Yeah. So the drumhead number two. So. Here we go, guys. So my number one, my number one all-time Next Generation episode, and I will say this, this would have been my number one even if I was including The Best of Both Worlds and All Good Things, okay? Um, so my number one is 
You want one more second to guess it in your head? No? Okay. Cause and effect. I, I, I don't like burying the lead. So yeah, cause and effect. Okay. Maybe the ultimate sci-fi sort of idea. Like, like this is an episode, this is a story that you could only do in a sci-fi show, right? Yeah, you, you could you could have an episode of Ally McBeal where they kind of do this and it's fun, but not where it actually happened, right? Not where it counts, right? Not where like every single sort of spin around the time loop took place and the characters acknowledge that, at least as far as I could think of. Um, there are episodes that play with that, you know, there was a sliding Frasers episode where we saw two different you know, outcomes based on whether he wore a sweater or a suit, you know, um, but they didn't both happen. One happened, um, you know, so there are a lot of episodes like that. But in a sci-fi show, you could do it and you could, you could, you could, it's earned, you know, it actually happened. Um, I mean, we're all well-versed in this for sci-fi fans. We all watch Marvel. We all watch Star Trek. We all, you know, so we all know that this kind of stuff happens, but hey, you know, I'm watching this episode um, season five, 1992, you know, I'm a senior in high school. I'm like, this is fucking awesome, right? So this is the episode, if you don't remember, where, oh, first of all, jump back. One of the best cold opens ever, ever. Um, if we ever do a cold open top 10, which you know damn well I'm going to do at some point, because um, I've already mentioned one last season, which might be the best. So maybe, you know, if I already have one and two, why do the list? But blah, 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 blah. So the best cold open of all time was the Borg cold open in Voyager, um, you know, when, uh, I think it's Scorpion part one, where it just starts with the two Borg cubes and we are the Borg, you know, we were like, and they just get blown up. The Borg cubes get blown up. It's like, whoa, that's a cold open. So this was probably the second best off the top of my head. Uh, so this was, they just cut right into the enterprises in battle and it's, and it's, it's going badly. And there's, there's, you know, decks are failing and, you know, Barkley's just putting up pictures of cars, every photos of cars everywhere. So there's decks decompressing all over the place. Explosions are happening. The ship's shimming and shaking. And Picard calls for abandoning ship. And then the ship blows up. Cut the credits. Cut the opening credits, right? Come on. How do you go from that to space? The You know, the ship blew up. Really cool cold open. Like I said, that kind of like, um, I don't think it's a, no, I'm not going to, it's not a deus ex machina. I always get that wrong. Um, but uh, it's it's done more often now than it was then. I mean, I know Alias made a living out of starting episodes like that. So, you know, but but back then it was a cool episode. Cut such a cool way to start an episode. So the Enterprise blows up, and then the credits happen, and you're watching the commercial, and you're like, all right. Uh, and then it starts out, and it's just a normal episode. And part of me back then, I remember thinking, I was like, did they did they did they screw it up? Did they? play the end of the episode before the beginning or is this another episode so like you know th th that's how new it was to me i'm probably naive but hey, it is what it is so it turns out that you know the Ep enterprise keeps going through the same loop in which the end is they blow up and again sort of like you know the guinan phenomenon we mentioned before each time through the loop they kind of remember a little bit more of what happened you know they kind of sense wait we've been doing this before we've done this before and it progresses really well to the point where by the by the penultimate loop, um, they sort of have it figured out. But now they're just worried that once they go through the loop again, they'll have to figure it out all over again. A really cool concept, man. A really fun sci-fi concept. So they go through all these loops. Eventually, they figure it out. Great ending. You know, the only problem I have with it is that it was really a big TV or movie convention, you know, along the lines of the... Uh, the bomb ticking down from 30 seconds. And then it's really like a minute and a half worth of film 
but you know, it's still ticking down. It's still on number eight, number seven. So at the end of this episode, you know, they show you five times, I want to say, how many how the Enterprise blows up. But then in the final one, Data takes his sweet ass time figuring out, you know, how they're gonna get out of it. And it's way longer than it than it would have normally been in the other loops. But hey, it's it's an amazing episode. I'm not gonna, you know, if I'm gonna nitpick one little thing, that's fine. But hey, it's still number one on my list. It's still, you know, my favorite. I think my favorite Next Generation episode of all time. And uh, it's, it's so much fun. And let's not forget the great Kelsey Grammer. So the great Kelsey Grammer has a cameo at the end of this. I, I, sell, I say great because I love Kelsey Grammer. I love Simpsons. I love Frasier. And I love the fact that he's a Star Trek fan. Um, so yeah. So we get Kelsey Grammer as Captain Bateman at the end. So it turns out, oh yeah, so I'm sorry, I, I didn't tell you all about the episode, but you know, I don't really do that. But the reason the Enterprise kept blowing up is because a ship came out of nowhere, another rift, another rift, a lot of rifts in this part of space. Enterprise comes out of a rift, um, the another ship comes out of a rift and just strikes strikes their nacelles before they can kind of get the shields up. Or maybe they had their shields up, but it was just a ramming speed ship. So, and that's what makes them blow up each time. So the whole idea was they wanted to avoid that ship collision. So once they do, it turns out the captain of that ship is played by Kelsey Grammer, Captain Bateman, and he's just kind of like, "Hey, what's uh, what's going on? We uh, you know, we sense you, blah blah blah." Turns out he's stuck in our he's stuck in our time now. Um, they never resolved that. They send him back, so who knows what timelines were affected? They seem to not care in this episode. <laughs> I'm, for my number one episode, I'm really tearing the shit out of it. I gotta tell you, but hey, that's part of the fun, right? And I know Mr. Phil Ferrand would get my back on that, you know. Um, the nitpicker's guide, you know, to next gen trekkers doesn't mean he, you know, doesn't like these episodes. It means it's just so much fun to point out the little mistakes, foibles, errors. So it seems like I'm doing that, but I love this episode. Love it to death. I'm also going to bring up, and this always, always fascinated me. So I'm also an X-Files fan. And I may have mentioned the correlation between these two episodes before, but there was an X-Files episode called uh, Monday. So a great title. Um, probably better than cause and effect, to be honest. But uh, I would have liked if they had just called this episode like, uh, you know, Bridge Duty or something, you know, something that, either way. So Monday was the name of the episode. And it is, when I tell you the structure is exactly the same as this cause and effect episode, I'm watching X-Files. And, and this was at the height of X-Files. I want to say, I want to say uh, it was season six. You know, the movie had come out like a year and a half before and it was, it was still super popular, um, you know, in a, in the 90s, in 1999. And this episode comes on and I'm like, and it, right after the cold open, I'm like, no way. Because the cold open was like exactly the same. So Mulder and Scully are in a bank. And at the end of the episode, the bank blows up and Scully and Mulder, and Mulder blow up with it. And you're like, what the fuck? And at that moment, I'm like, they're, they're doing this. Like they're definitely doing this. And I feel like back then I did the research. Um, we didn't have internet, but I feel like, like I started trying to figure out if there were the same you know, producers or writers or anything. Like I know like, you know, um, Chris Carter and Vince Gilligan were, um, you know, the creators of the X-Files, but I don't know who wrote the episode. It could have been, you know, the same uh, person. Talking about research, right? I probably could have done a little research for this pod and figured that out. But I don't think I ever found a correlation. I think it was just a coincidence um, that they were both so strikingly similar in structure. So if you really get a chance, watch Cause and Effect and then watch the X-Files episode Monday. Really fun way to do it because it's also a great episode. It's a lot funnier than Cause and Effect. It's got more comedic moments. It's Mulder at his uh, waterbed you know, hilariousness. Like it's, uh, it, it, it's really funny, David Duchovny, but it's a fun sci-fi episode. And again, they keep going through the loop. The bank keeps exploding, but they figure out here and there along the way what they need to do 
to stop this from happening. Um, so exactly the same thing. And I did one thing I remember I, I, I did note, I didn't write this down. I'm not going to lie. This reminded me to defend, um, you know, other um, internet intellectual properties out there. This is almost as bad as the Deep Space Nine O'Brien Dan, um, Honor Among Thieves ripoff of Donnie Brasco, right? So, so there's that there's that DS Nine uh, episode. I think it was season six where, um, right, um, no, Riker, where O'Brien goes undercover with the Orion Syndicate. And he ends up befriending um, Bilby, Bixby. I want to say Bilby. Ends up befriending, you know, that guy Bilby. And uh, turns out, you know, he's he's getting in too deep and he's growing an attraction to a, a friendship attraction to Bilby. And, uh, you know, of course, he has to betray him at the end and Bilby ends up dying. Which, I mean, if you heard me before, is exactly the plot of Donnie Brasco. Um so the episode Monday is very, very similar to uh, Cause and Effect. And it, I, I think that's really fascinating to check out. But we're not talking about X-Files. We're not talking about Donnie Brasco. We're not talking about Al Pacino or Johnny Depp. And we're not talking about Alias or Frazier. Dude, we're talking about Star Trek, baby. So this was my favorite Star Trek episode, uh, Next Gen anyway. And that's it. Just a fun episode to watch. Um, you know, what a series. We're, we're going to be talking about it a lot more. Um, I'm flirting with the idea of doing a, a top 10 worst Next Gen episodes at some point. So I'm kind of putting that list together in my head. Lord knows there's a lot of those. Um, I already mentioned one tonight on this list. Um, guaranteed you sub rosa is going to be on that list um sub rosa from, from season seven you know i've watched it three times now and i still can't tell you what happened in it because it's so horribly bad i think i just keep repressing it i'm pretty sure crusher almost got raped by i want to see her grandmother's ghost i have no idea what's going on so it was a horrible episode <laughs> that's not funny I, should, I i'm not laughing at i'm laughing at the idea that it's such an outlandish plot um and I'm also 100% sure I have that wrong. That, that isn't what happened. Anyway, bad episode. So I'm flirting with the idea of doing that. So yeah, listen, folks, So that's all I got for you today. But listen, I want to tell you that we have, you know, we got a lot of good top 10s coming for you this season. Um, you know, we're going to try to get Luke on as much as possible. I know we're going to have Troy on at one point um, to guest uh, guest uh, talk with us again, to be the guest potter. There's, there's no word for that, is there? To be the guest podcaster. We'll say that. The best podcaster. Um, we're going to try to get Brian Parks on again. If you liked, you know, Brian Parks, man, that dude's hilarious. Uh, he was on the Star Trek parodies um, top 10 that we did at the end of last season. So I'm going to try to not have it just me talking to you guys, but I really, really, really want your feedback. You know, let me know how I did. Um, this is the first time I've ever talked sort of by myself for an hour. So yeah, so we're going to try, we're going to try hard. We're going to try to get these episodes out as often as we can. I can't guarantee you we're going to get them out every single week. And I'm not sure how many episodes we're going to do. Um, right now, unfortunately, as I mentioned in the beginning of the pod, our lives sort of get in the way. And, uh, you know, I've got a full-time job and Lou's got a full-time job and we have families and, uh, we'd love to do this full-time. Um, maybe someday, God willing, we'll be able to do that. But for right now, uh, we're doing as often as we can. It's so much fun to do. We are so grateful to anyone who's listening out there. Thank you so much. Um, again, hit us up. Let us know how we're doing. Um, any comments you have, let us know what your top 10 next generation episodes are. It'd be so much fun to read someone else's, uh, top 10 list. I'm always welcoming that. So yeah, so at STWARP10 on Twitter or Instagram, and you can hit us up via email, um, STWARP10 at gmail.com. We would love to hear from you guys. Thank you so much. We look forward to bringing you more top tens, and you guys are absolutely the best. Thank you so much. We'll see you next time. Bye.